If you have your Bibles, turn over to the First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses uh, 12 to 13. Now, they put a new podium out here, and um, it's smaller. It doesn't hold my stuff. So uh, I hear they got another one. They found out it was taller than this one. I said, well, I can't have it up here where I'm reading. <laughs> Pastor Brian, when he was in Valdosta, they made one that was made out of anchors. It was awesome, and it fit him perfectly. But when Pastor Mark and I minister from it, we like to do this. <laughs> it's terrible. So, and it weighs about 300 pounds <laughs> on top of that. But um, anyway, so a new one's coming, and hopefully it's got a little more space here. I think it's got a shelf so I can layer. It'd be great for Pastor Marcy when she brings all of her books. Because we know, here's the amplified, here's the, here's the. Let me read you what this theological uh, commentary, I'm just kidding. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 says this, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. First thing I want to just say, thank you for all those who have labored among us just recently with all the stuff we're doing just to get ready for the conference that's going to be here Sunday night. Amen? So for all of you that have come and helped, you know, have you ever seen that show Property Brothers? Anybody ever seen that before? HGTV. We have the Faith Brothers over here, Kirk and Alex, right? Or Alex and Kirk. There's a debate there that's happening, and so I've gotten into that debate, so it's been good times. But uh, they've come up on multiple times. They've worked. Uh, they have great resumes because their resume was this. This is the first line I heard. Well, we're not going to leave till it's done. I thought, man, I might have to consider that. <laughs> you like those kind of people that don't want to leave till it's done stuff. Amen. And then last uh, yesterday, you know, I'm not glorifying these individuals. I'm just saying I thank God that we're in the body. Amen. And what I want to make reference to is that whether you've been here with us for um, basically the whole time, 13 years, which Matthew and I, we had our first sheetrock project in 2005 over an office space off of US-1, and we're still in sheetrock today. It'll never end. So whether it's this guy who was here last night for, that's been here basically the whole time, or my faith brothers that were here, you know, uh, today and been through the week and been here just for a moment, we appreciate all of it. Dustin Witt just absolutely did something fabulous yesterday for us. He happened to be in Jacksonville. I had a little snafu with my stage design. I had all the carpet here, and we had saved some carpet from another project just to simply cover up the little new uh, pieces so we could get through the conference, you know, and um, somebody decided to throw it away. Yeah. I mean, it was old, don't get me wrong, but I'd have waited. Anyway, so I said I had to do one of this. The ministry, you know, you, it's audible, man. You just, sometimes you just got to call an audible. And I said, well, we're going to have to get a new floor. So my wife found the floor. And so I was looking at a different floor at the time called Dustin. I said, Dustin, man, can you, man, he's the flooring guy. If you've never seen his work, he's phenomenal. But uh, anyway, he was, uh, I called him and said, let me see what I can do. Man, he's calling people and he says, you, we can do this, da, 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 talking to me. And I said, well, my wife's found a floor. I said, it's here. He goes, you know, I'm not far from there. I got to go by there today, pick something up. And man, long story short, he loaded it up, brought it here, 6.30, we got it last night. Then the little situation with the way we've modified this on more than one occasion, he floated the platform for us. And then at that point, 
the Levitical priesthood went to, went to work, and we started lighting the oil all night long. So 4.30 this morning, myself and some that came and got added, like Bradley and, and Bill McDowell, man, we just knocked this thing out all the way to here. So we'll finish this thing out before Sunday. Amen? Why do we do it? Because we love God, and we love to labor his vision. You know, we just love to do this stuff. And so I, you know, I thank you for everybody that's come and cleaned the toilet, you know, wiped down a shelf, whatever the case may be, and I know others are coming through. Um, you know, helped us with the court, all kind of stuff. How many of you like our little Mediterranean courtyard out there? I want to put on the one side, you know, like this big billboard that's like this uh, maybe Mediterranean landscape. Like when we're sitting there sipping our coffee, it looks like we're looking at the ocean. Would that be awesome? <laughs> then y'all never come into service, so that's why I don't do that. I'm going to put, you know, the nations of the world. Okay. Anyway, so anyway, I appreciate those who diligently labor among us, even in those things. But I also say this, there are those that have charge over you in the Lord, meaning God's assigned people in our lives that minister the word of God. They give instruction. Okay. Verse 13 goes on and says, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. I'm going to show you another passage of Scripture over in Philippians chapter 2. If you turn over there, Philippians chapter 2, verses 25. We'll start there or click over there, whatever type of device you're using. But make sure you have something that has the Word so you can view it yourself, not just look at the screens, okay? The word esteem means this to regard or the regard in which one is held, worth or value. Worth or value. And Paul says that you, uh, you esteem them very highly, these that labor among you, that have charge over you in the Lord, and give you instruction. Okay? Philippians 2, verse 25 says it this way. He said, but I thought it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, all right? My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger and minister to my needs because he was longing for you all uh, and was distressed because... You had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. I'm laughing as I'm reading this because I just had a flashback when I was in the sixth grade, and I used to sit at this pastor's wife's house. It was Pastor Wayne Harvey at uh, Archer um, Baptist Church, First Baptist Church of Archer, and I sat with her because she helped me read effectively. I had to take reading lessons in my sixth grade year because I didn't read well, especially publicly. God knew that I was going to have to read a lot publicly. Amen. Amen. And a pastor's wife helped me um, read. We read different books together, and she would sit there, and I would read chapter, and, you know, each time a chapter out loud to develop my ability to be able to communicate. But not only that, she made me put the voice inflections based upon whatever the sentence was. Amen. That thought just came to me while I was reading. Anyway, verse 29. I just wanted you to share in my moment. Uh, verse 29, receive him, 
then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in what? High regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his own life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. This is why we should honor the military so well because there's many of them that have defended and for some literally have died, but a lot of them come close to dying so that we could live free. And that's why on Memorial Day and Veterans Day or any time, you know, I see a veteran and definitely every time I'm led by the Lord to pay for their meal or something, we want to do that. We want to esteem them because of a sacrifice that they put themselves in a position in order to, you know, defend their nation. All right. Obviously, Paul's talking about this friend who came and ministered to him personally. I have no record of any sermon he's ever preached, but I do have record that he took care of Paul. So he highly esteemed Paul, and Paul in turn returned the favor, and when he sent him to one of the churches that he had established, he said, now receive him. Are you with me? Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and then says, hold men like these in high regard. Now, to receive means to accept and expect to accept and expect. Now, why am I in this vein with you today? Well, let me tell you, there's a few reasons why. There's three reasons why. The first thing is that every time we come together on a Sunday or a Wednesday, and bear with me, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can do to stay in this little white box that we have tonight because I really feel like going a lot further out, but it's just too dark, okay? So I'll be pacing a lot in a short area, all right? But anyway, and pray for Pastor Marcus, he does not slip on this platform at all. Because if carpet causes him to slip, this right here is a whole nother level, all right? Don't be like Josh, who's praying that he will fall so he can laugh during worship. That will not happen in Jesus' name. I've got your back, bro. If you swing on the pole, we're done with that, though. Okay, so... We come to service, and service is awesome. See how we can have fun and laugh? But what's more important, whose church is this? Whose church is this? He's the head of the church. And here's Paul telling us in both of these letters that there are those that God assigns to give you instruction because God has given them oversight in order to equip the body. Not only fivefold ministers, but then those that are just within the body that serve at such a capacity to the point that they're willing to run their lives into a place that it can put them where they would almost die for the sake of Christ. And he says, these individuals you should esteem. Well, how much more should we esteem the head of the church? What did Jesus say over in Hebrews? He says, listen, everyone esteemed Moses for building the tabernacle, but how much more the one who authored the building in the first place? The builder is worth more honor than the building itself. And so how much more should we esteem the Lord in, in finding ourselves when we come together that we come to accept and expect God to speak to us every time we come together? See, if we don't watch out, we'll just come to service. 
will just show up. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can show up Wednesday night. You can show up Sunday morning. You can show up Sunday night. You can come to Wednesday morning prayer. You can come to Sunday morning prayer. You can be involved in men's ministry. You could go through Kingdom Institute. You could go to every women's meeting and never accept and expect or have esteem for the head of the church and in essence, receive him not. even though he's there. So God is as ready as you are. If you come to church ready to accept and expect God to speak to you, then God will meet your faith there. God will do it. It is never surprising to me that I can preach a message or anyone can get on the platform and preach a message and some go literally radically changed and somebody sitting right next to them is like, what happened? It's because we don't esteem this thing called collecting upon the same place together, the assembling of ourselves together. The only reason why we come together is not so we can hang out with each other, so that we can hear from the King of Kings. There's a bonus, and that is we get to fellowship with one another. We get to develop relationships. We get to find out that our lives are actually more intertwined than we thought, and that we add value to each other greater than we thought. Just like Paul talked about those that were given charge over people uh, to instruct them by the Lord and how they diligently labored based upon that call, or this guy who came to me. Not only here, he wrote to Philemon, who actually owned another guy by the name of Mr. O, and that guy was his slave who ran off with Paul only to get born again, and Paul says, you got to go back home. And he let Philemon know, listen, you know, you really owe me your life because the way you were until I showed up and gave you instruction and changed you. But I'm telling you, when you receive your former slave, you receive him as if I showed up. And then said, if he's done anything wrong, charge it to my account. Wow. In essence, he wanted him to receive him the same way that, he, that, that Philemon would receive Paul. Do you understand receiving the Word of God is necessary or is the attitude, your attitude in receiving the Word of God will determine whether it it's, gets into your spirit and renews your mind or not. It's not that God doesn't want it, it's are you receiving it? I said, are you receiving it? We know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul said this, he said, for this reason, we also uh, constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So again, if you come to church just to receive a word because I'm saying it, you miss it. But if you come and say, God, speak to me through the gift you've placed in the body called the pastor, that you gave oversight by the Holy Ghost and purchased me with your blood to give instruction, to equip me, to give me insight, not only into my own personal life and what you've called me to do or, or in, insight into my life when I go through trials and tribulations, but then just generally 
my assignment within the church body. And I expect to hear something every time. If you don't come to receive, then you'll be like Jesus said, he who has ears, let him let him hear. Which means you can hear without understanding what you're hearing. And the only reason you don't understand what you hear is because you're not receiving it for understanding. Now, obviously, there's people who come to Anchor Faith Church that have a hard time receiving a lot because they can't receive a lot from God because they're not connected to God. Because the things of God are not naturally appraised. They're spiritually discerned. And so God had just talked to you. Everything he'll highlight to you is, you need me. You need to give your life to me. You need to be born again. You need to confess me as your Lord. You need to lay down your life and take up my life. Because then I'll give you the world. Then I'll show you your purpose. Then I'll, you'll discover destiny. Then I'll be able to pull you out of all your messes. Then I'll deliver you out of all your trouble. Then I'll be able to live consistent in your life that you'll do something greater. But you have to first connect with him in the spirit. But for us who are already born again, God's passionate about teaching you all things, guiding you into all truth, causing things to come to your remembrance, and disclosing things to come. He's passionate about it. But you can't walk in it if you don't receive. I said, if you don't receive. Well, Pastor Earl's preaching tonight. Well, Pastor Mike's preaching tonight. Well, you shouldn't see it that way. You should see it. God's going to speak to me tonight. So did you come to hear from God? That's what Paul rejoiced in, is that, my gosh, when we came to you, you didn't accept it because you didn't just say, that's Paul talking. He said, God's speaking through that man. God's speaking through that man. And if you'll come and make a demand that God would speak through because you come to receive a word from God, guess what? You'll get a word. Now, the problem is, is you can't have your thought of what words you think you need. Because you can come and ask a question. But just be willing to accept if God's answer. What must I do to inherit eternal life, Lord? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. What's that? See, he didn't come with the attitude to receive. He came with the attitude is, look at what I'm doing. I still feel like, you know, and you're the guy and I'm seeing everything. So, you know, let me measure my life to yours. Good teacher. Why you, who are you calling good? There's only one that's good. Right? So again, how do we receive these things? How do we esteem? This is why, listen, I mostly read the Bible anymore off my electronic device because I have so many translations at my fingertips. But just in case that thing goes crazy, I have my sermon printed out on paper. Because I'm not going to let this electronic device stop from what I got on the inside of me. But then I also keep a, a written copy of the Word. Amen. Then I got my backup electronic device. I'm ready for this thing to go. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because if I take time to spend time with the Lord, I esteem what He's given me to give. And I don't want a devil in hell to stop that. And then if everything just blew up right here, you know, this caught on fire, which caught my paper on fire, which caught my Bible on fire. Then I trust the Holy Ghost in me to preach it word for word. I understand that. Amen. Because the devil never going to get my tongue. I said he'll never get my tongue. Hallelujah. Are you with me? 
My point is, is I come ready to receive. And you know what I love about preaching more than anything is the revelation in the midst of the preaching. That's what I love. But can I just be honest? I've been in places, even here, that when I'm preaching, I can do nothing more than what I already know because those who are hearing aren't wanting to receive anything more. That's why I tell my staff all the time, I said, you better be pulling on the anointing. You better be making a demand on it. You better come wanting to receive the word. You better highly esteem God's word. That's why we go through the Bible every year. So we have a value, not so that we can learn it and memorize it and it becomes common to us. But God, what else do you want to say on these pages? I value you. I esteem you. You poured out your blood for me. I want to receive what you have to say. So when we come to this building, when we come together, when we come to worship, the reason I can worship and raise my hands and I can dance and I can kneel is because I value, I have great esteem for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who's holy and most high. This is why I can do that. I value him. I can lay with my face down forward if that's what the moment requires in my worship, because why I value him. My worship's not stoic, it's not stale, it's not religious, it's not repetitive, it's not traditional. It's based upon the moment I walk in the room. What do you want to do today, God? I value you, I esteem you, I honor you. You're the head of the church. This is your organization. This is what you instituted. This is your thing. I value, and even if it's just Jesus saying to me and I hear him in my inner man say, say something I already know, but my gosh, how awesome that is. I've dealt with more men in counseling that they just want to hear their wives say, honey, I respect you. Have they ever said it before? Yes, but it seemed like they can't get enough of that. Can't get enough of the same words. I just want to know that she, you know, values me. Well, how much are you valuing Jesus? How lavishly are you throwing your love out to God? Because I'm telling you, if you were, if you valued and highly esteemed and respected God that way, your wife would be like, my man knows how to worship. So my man knows how to worship. My man knows how to abandon himself. My man knows how to go down and, and get with his king, get with his Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. My man wants to draw on the word, not draw on his own understanding because he values God's word more than my word, his own word. Woo, glory to God. Kingdom Institute just finished out uh, testing uh, to go into the third term. And I was, you know, uh, watching my, what I consider my spiritual sons, you know, that have been uh, instructing. I'm just thinking, wow, God, look at how they've taught. Look at the content they've placed in their lives. I mean, you just want to sit and cry and think, wow, look what they've done. Then you hear the, them, the, the students answer test questions. You're like, wow. I mean, there's some, I'm like, I know where you came from. I know what you've been through. I know where you, what, what you've come out of. And look at you now. My gosh, preach, man of God, preach. Because they value, they esteem the word. They esteemed and valued him. Are you with me? So if we don't watch out, we can miss the supernatural because of the familiar. Or we can miss revelation because of distractions. 
Jesus said this, since, you know, we should come together with this great esteem and value to receive openly, God's going to be at Anchor Faith Church today. Not that God doesn't live in you, but there's something about that corporate anointing. There's something about that assembling together as Christ told us to. There's something about being jointed and fitted together. There's something about being in unity with your brethren that does something greater than being on a desert all by yourself. There's something greater. You know, it's amazing how quick people make cop-outs about, well, you know, I got God. But nobody wants to live alone on a desert island with just Jesus. Most of them want to be connected with somebody. Go ahead, test it. Get yourself isolated alone with God for a while. You'll find out how much you desire those natural relationships and find out that you're actually deceiving yourself. How much more when you connect it with a church that people love you? where people are growing in the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But if we don't watch out, we'll miss the supernatural for the familiar. I remember Jesus went to his hometown and had the power to heal people. But when they began to speak with authority and they were like, well, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that the Joseph's son, the carpenter? And it said they were, because of the familiarity, they got offended at his word. He couldn't heal, but just a few people. Supernatural didn't manifest in the, in, in the city that day. Not because it wasn't there. It's not because they couldn't have had it. They said Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Not at the inability to perform supernatural things. Their attitudes. They didn't value Jesus. And in their lack of value, they didn't receive. Nor do they get the revelation. Because when he was speaking with such authority, they hadn't heard the scribes preach like that. Revelation was upon them, but they got distracted by where he came from. A lot of times people get distracted about being in church. Okay. Well, let's go. Let me just read this next one. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says, When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw you uh, throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave you one stone upon another because, this is why, you want to know why? Because, he's telling this is why this is going to happen, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I wonder how many times we as believers, because of the routine of church. Allow something to hinder us from coming and we miss our visitation. Let's be honest. How many of you missed church and someone called you and said, man, you should have been in church today? Sure has happened. Wow, that's sir. And you know what? The only reason you weren't in there, for some of us, the only reason we weren't there is because we just didn't go. We just didn't go because those things came a little more important. Remember, um, the master of the house says, I'm going to do a wedding, and so go invite the people. And the first one says, listen, let the master know I got an ox that I got to deal with. He'll understand. I just got married. He'll understand. I just bought some property. Got look at, he'll understand. Did he understand? Nope, didn't understand. Actually, it made him mad. So he said, fine, they're not inviting anymore. I'll go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. 
Hallelujah. Why? Because when God wants to meet, do you understand these times that are set aside? Listen, if the Lord told me to do Anchor Faith Church at 3 p.m., I'd do it at 3 p.m. No problem. In fact, he told me a time to do church in Palatka. I have a time that I'll preach it. Amen. Which means that's when God wants to show up through this ministry in that city. Now, when we get there and open the door, that I'm still trying to find out. But I do know this, that when I was off praying and fasting for a 24-hour period concerning some things with the beginning of the year and what God wanted to do here in 2018 with Anchor Faith Church, and as I was going to come back home because I went through Green Cove to get to where I was, the Lord said, this time you go through Palatka. Because I said, through my vessel, which was my wife, that a service was going to happen in Palatka. So I went, and I started looking at buildings. First place I went to was their mall, the Palatka Mall. Why not? I'm not saying he wants me to buy us to buy a mall in Putnam County, too. I'm just saying I'll just go over there. <laughs> right? But in route, I heard the Lord speak times to me. So he don't have to tell me everything. But what he does tell me, then I'm, I know that's an appointed time. Do you understand? It's an appointed time at 730. It's an appointed time at uh, 8.30. It's appointed time at 11. It's appointed time at 10 a.m. on Sunday. It's appointed time at 6 a.m. Anytime we're doing anything that's releasing discipleship, it's appointed time, and it is a visitation. It's not just us coming together as men on a Monday night, hanging out around the book so we can, you know, rub elbow. It's a time where God shows up in a room, and you're holding hands with those guys, and you're praying with one another because you're going through real stuff, and God will manifest. got to do something in your life. And there's plenty of testimonies of these things taking place. But how do we value and esteem? The second thing that we, let's look at the next thing. Jesus also said this in Luke chapter 18, verse 80 says, I tell you that he will bring about justice from them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When he shows up, is he going to find people with expectation? Is he going to find people that are look excited? He said, look up your redemption, draw off now. We should be in an expectation of the return of Christ. We should be looking forward to that day, not, well, it'll happen when it happened. I don't care. I mean, it just happened. You have no expectation for it to happen. Every day could be that day. I'm conscientious. Today could be today. Today could be today, Lord. Today could be today, Lord. There's an ex there, I accept that you're returning, and I expect that today could be today. How would you live if you knew God was coming back the next hour? Oh, man. I mean, how, do you, how would you live if the Lord whispered down, which he can't because it's unscriptural. He said this wouldn't take place. But what if you would do if the, well, let, let's say the father. Father decided, I'm going to let you know. And if you ever breathe the word of it, I'll do what I did to Martha's husband, and you'll not speak again, nor write to tell him the date. Remember, Martha's husband didn't believe that she could have that baby, and he didn't talk. Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. Correct my doctrine. Elizabeth, right? The husband didn't. What was his name? Mr. Z. Big Z. Some confusion on the back row. <laughs> okay. So my point is, is that we need to esteem. Because God will do as much as you want if you're ready. 
Most of us don't receive from God because we don't want him to touch places. We just want to be saved and go to heaven, but don't, don't go examining me. Don't go walking around in my mind. Don't be trying to renew stuff. Don't try to change my attitude. Don't try to change the way I've navigated through life. This is just how I am. Accept me as I am. The Lord said, I'm not. So I put myself in you because you were a mess. Right? You were a mess. You didn't have to change before you met me. But the minute you met me, the requirement is you change. How do you change? Accept me, and then I change you. I take the old out. That spirit man, ain't a, it can't come. Now, we're going to clean this mind up. You don't think like that, but I want to think. You don't think like that. You don't think like that. That's why Paul wrote, he said, listen, those who do this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't think, act any way you want to once you're born again. It's the renewal of the mind. It's growing up spiritually. But you won't do that unless you visit. We don't even argue when we send our kids to school. It's their day of visitation. That the teacher meets with them. For what purpose? To instruct them. And the Lord says, assemble yourself so I can. And when you do, draw on me. Make a demand on me. And the more you honor me, the more I'll flood things into your life. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So will he find faith on the earth? But here's the kicker. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 41, it says, He who receives you receives... Hmm. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So notice, we should, all should esteem Jesus. But do you understand, most of the time, Jesus is manifesting himself through someone. Well, I'm going to church. Who are you going to see? The Lord. I didn't see God there. He manifested through pastor's preaching. That's Pastor Earl. Who's that? Oh, I, don't, I ain't into titles. I'm into what God placed in the body. And since God placed the pastor in the body to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, I receive Pastor Earl. I receive the anointing on his life that God will put there in order for his word to manifest in my life. Because if I receive Pastor Earl, I receive Jesus. If I receive him and I honor the study time that he has put with the Lord and the, the uh, prayer time, and I say, God, what are you going to say through the pastor you placed in my life, through Pastor Marcy? What are you going to, what do you, Lord, I receive the worship time that you imparted through Pastor Marcus when we took time to worship and the team when they come each week and take time to get before you. I receive it. I honor this time. Because if you receive them, guess who you, you receive Jesus. If you can't receive us, how are you receiving Jesus? The implication is if you don't receive, he who doesn't receive me doesn't receive Jesus. So we should have this honor, man. Where's honor in the church? 
I mean, I'm all about having fun. I love to be able to give jokes out, you know, that are applicable at times, get everybody laughing, whatever the case may be. I, I love the illustrated sermons. They're awesome. I have a great time with those when God lays them, but they'll never be every time where, what's pastor going to do? Because then you'll just get in this, I'm going to entertain you with some next sermon. Well, that really was applicable. Sometimes it just needs to be applicable because you want the word. In fact, all the time it should be applicable because I want to know what's this God, what is God saying to me through that person? So whether it's me or Pastor Marcy or Pastor Marcus or Pastor Mike or whomever's up on the platform, even if it's Raphael getting a word from God and coming up and going, because the anointing gets on him. You know, I can't help that's how he responds, but that's how he does it. He gets pacing, and you know the faster he gets, the, the more he's getting, you know, some kind of download. I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear release. I see a slingshot, a slingshot. A slingshot, and it seems as if God is pulling you away, and you're getting further and further away, and you're getting, but know this, that the further you get, that's more tension, the more stress it seems, but no, you got to get great tension because there's something further you're going to go beyond this thing, because he's exceeding abundant, far beyond. Release. But most of them are, of us are doing this. And you want God to drop you out the pouch. Ah! I mean, who wants that life to have all that stretch and then not be propelled into something great, but just drop right out of the sack and fall to the ground, never to hit the, their mark, never to hit their target. Not me. I don't want to. Don't get me out of the pouch, Lord. Pull me back. Stretch me as far as it is. Because when it's release time, ain't nobody going to stop me. And if my enemy's in front of me, this rock that I am is going to hit him in the head and bury myself in his brain and kill him. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? But it's about value. Value, honor, esteeming the things of God and those who God placed in our lives. Go on to verse 41. It says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man. You do not get what the prophet has unless you're in a position to receive. And receive is not, oh, I want a word. Receive is I value God. See, a lot of people don't value God. They just want to get some magical word. Give me something, wave something over me so it's all gone and I have no participation in the matter. You know, conjure me up some little word that just takes care of all my problems. No, the Lord give you instruction on how you overcome. With his power, you'll do it. And he'll move it all out of the way, but not without your faith. And if you don't honor the word he's saying to you, he's not obligated to give you. There are plenty of prophets who's the first title to their name is false. They'll conjure you up something and say, thus saith the Lord, and punch, punch you in the face and, you know, make you feel all kind of stuff, but pulling on familiar spirits. Because you don't esteem the word. When you don't esteem Jesus, then the other spirits show up. So what you get out of Anchor Faith Church is what, what are you ready for? It's as ready as you are. 
It's as ready as you are. It's as ready as you are. Hallelujah. You got to first settle Jesus at the head of the church and I esteem him. Then I esteem whom he places as overseers. It's amazing. Well, I don't really like them. Bro, you're so carnal. I don't even, man. I mean, you're borderline first John. He who hates his brother and says he loves the Lord is a liar. God never required you to get along with everybody's personality and like it. But he did tell you to love and look past it. And if you'll esteem them, you'll get something out of them. Most people who have problems with other people's attitudes and the personalities is because they're prideful themselves and think more highly of themselves than they ought. I just can't get along with them. It's because you really can't get along with yourself. I'm just telling you the truth. I've been around the block enough now, man. I'm telling you right now. It always points, because every problem is you. I said every problem is you. Jesus handled everything. Every problem's us. All we got to do is apply God there. Every problem's you. It's you. Well, it's her. It's you. Because if you do you, even if they are a problem or your enemy or come against you, they can't overtake you. If God be for you, so you, what problem do you have? You overcome every problem when you conquer self. Hallelujah. But most of us don't conquer self because we don't esteem the gifts or those that God has said that are diligently laboring among us. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of things I could do and, and, and structurally say. I could. Some things you just want people to learn on their own, though. I remember when I went to Rhema Bible uh, College and Kenneth E. Hagen came into the room, the prophet of God, a real prophet of God. The whole class would stand to their feet because we esteemed his schedule, his time, his sacrifice, his labor. I mean, you could go online and Google all the hate for the message he had. And I've, I have never been around another person ever in my life that did not use so much scripture to verify teaching. My greatest, the greatest um, testimony I've ever heard Brother Hagin print or heard him say personally was the time the Lord visited him. And he said he was listening to the Lord, talking to him concerning um, you know, the authority that believers had over demons. And he said, all of a sudden, a little demon came in and started talking. He was, you know, in a vision. And he said, Jesus was behind talking to him. He could see Jesus was still carrying on the conversation as if nothing had happened. But he could not hear him because this thing, called it an imp or something, was right in front. And he thought to himself, doesn't Jesus know I can't hear him? Doesn't he know that this thing's distracting me from his instruction? He said after a process of time that Jesus did nothing, he kept talking, he thought, I'm missing everything. It came to him, and he said, in the name of Jesus, leave. And he said it tucked tail and ran. And the next words that he heard Jesus say was, if you didn't do anything, I couldn't have. 
And he said, what did you say, Lord? I, surely I didn't hear that right. And, the, and Jesus said to him, he said, if you, didn't, if you didn't do something, I couldn't have. He said, Lord, I can't believe that. You'll have to show me two or three witnesses in your word. I love that about him. He did not allow a vision to mandate his doctrine. And so the Jesus said to him, I'll give you four or five and took him through the subject from the written word that he read every day, not in a vision with Jesus, but on paper, because he valued it. This is why I value Pastor Hagen, where he was raised where everyone was movie star dad. And he's serving, and dad prophesies about a school that dad don't know how to start a school because he never went to school. He's just teaching. And his son run, ran behind, served him like an Elisha. And he said, son, I don't know how to do a school. You do the school. And he wrote the school that I was trained at. He wrote it. And I always said to myself when I was in school, and I always had this in my spirit after his father passed away, that if I ever had the opportunity to talk to Pastor Hagen myself personally, I would let him know that he's Rhema to me. He is. Because I didn't grow up with his dad. I, you would never hear me call him Dad Hagen. Pastor Daryl Huffman will call him that. I will not. I mean, he's, he's Brother Hagen. Because I didn't have that kind of relationship. But to know that Pastor Hagen wrote the school and he was in the classes and he was my pastor while I was there. I esteemed him and saw that he was. Then after his father dies and people left him and went looking for the next prophet and abandoned Ramah. They didn't esteem and value. Everybody wants perfection out of somebody. I want maturity. And I've seen great feats of maturity through Pastor and Lynette Hagen. I esteem them. I'm going to tell you, when they show up Sunday night and he comes up, you know what we should do? Because I will be. I'll stand in honor of him. Because I value the sacrifice that he took behind a typewriter to write out Rhema. And that thing's continued on. And God one day called me there. And I sat in those classes. And I'm like just drooling out my mouth about this revelation knowledge that I've never heard before. And who are these people? And how did they hear this word? And why did I not hear it all my life? My gosh, God, you called me out of society and put me in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma to download these things. Who am I? Every time I walk on that campus, it's just like a flashback to my birth in the Spirit. I wasn't born again there. I was born again at nine, but I just wanted to be saved. Jesus didn't become Lord till I really uh, married my wife and things really started to take shape and change. And I began to pursue God. And I ministered the best I knew. But man, when God called me there to be trained, wow, he equipped me like nobody else. And I'm still learning today. And I'm still drawing from that ministry. And I still honor that ministry. That's why I told my wife, I said, we always went back to Ramah after we graduated. Maybe one year out of all the times, we didn't make it when we started the church here. But most, almost every winter Bible we met, why? Because I honor them. 
then I sold into them because I honor them because I received them. That's why I get the reward. Then when pastor asked me to be a Rhema director, I'm just receiving a word for the honor that I showed him because it's his ministry. It's a privilege for me to go to any of his schools and teach there. And I'll acknowledge him right out the bat. When I was in Albania, I said, I just want you to know that Pastor Hagen and Pastor Nanette, they love you. They care about you. They are so excited that you're in this school and that you're on the, they, I've never seen such love for their alumni. Wow. Such passion for us to get the spirit of faith. It's amazing. So I esteem my Jesus because I esteem that man. When his wife comes to pray on Monday morning and Tuesday morning, I'm going to honor her. I mean, I'll wait on them because there's something awesome. Why? Because they, they diligently labored. They didn't beg when most of the finances left after his dad died and they were going through that you know, grief themselves. And then her dad died. Then a couple years later, his mom died two or two to four. And they just kept on. And then they realized our part is not just to stay here in broken air and do the school that dad said that's really ours. That is ours. And so we keep helping dad do his by going teach my people faith by actually in discipling globally. Now there's over 200-something rhemas around the world. And when I graduated, two. They started their second one, I think, in Singapore or something was a, the second one ever. Gary Crow went out to do it, or maybe they had the one in Mexico first. I don't remember, but it was us, and then they fought, just lost one more out of the country. Now there's over 200. I've preached at a few of them now. Man, that's exciting. The hunger, the value, the way people hold on to the word. We should be like that every time we come in here, hungry, valuing that word. Amen? See, we need to receive with expectation and expect to give to whom you received because there is a reward, and we need to honor. I'm going to be honest with you. You ought to honor those that are underneath your house right now. When Kingdom Institute students come, you need to honor those that are laboring among you. That's why you shouldn't be late for class. You know, you ought to honor first Jesus because that's why we do our vision partnership and our supportive ministry, let you know you're not working for me, you're working for Jesus. So when you come to the parking lot, that's Jesus' time. That's an appointed time. That's him expressing himself through you to someone who drives through the parking lot. It's somebody's day of visitation through you. Come on, amen. That's right. You're Epiroditus to somebody. Every time, greeting, all that, because we value God. And we value those who labor. Yeah. Yes. I went through today and I said, Wayne. He said, yes. I said, I'm, I'm so excited you're here. I value Wayne. I value him. I value everybody that's employed here. I value everybody that volunteers. I value the whole church. I mean, I, I'm just excited. I told April today she thought about us, had some extra stuff. You know, again, not giving accolades to people, but people are getting with the vision and, and, and had some extra stuff that they could just give to the church to help us in our hosting when we do events. And I'm just like, thank you for that. 
because I value her. She has worth to me because Jesus is in her. Precious, precious. When we do meetings and leadership stuff, value these things. Every aspect of the ministry. But value those who labor among you. I will value. Anytime someone comes that we bring in, it's because I highly esteem them. I value what they can say to us to grow us. And I'm going to serve them when they come. Man, we've got quite a few people that's going to come through the door this year. Different things. Gary Ajay, or Matthews, Gary Matthews is in Florida right now. Robin and Amita went and picked him up from the airport from India. Pastor Ajay's son, Pastor Gary. He pastors alongside his dad, has a church himself. It seemed right with us in the Holy Ghost because I value that ministry, that man, Pastor Jay, and his sons. Then I said, Gary, come to Florida and let us download this Kingdom Institute in you and you can take it back home to your dad. And then we're going to let him be a part of the ministry. Let him sit in our Monday meetings. Let him just see the fabric and culture because the people of India are worth it. So we're going to labor diligently in order to do as much as we can to put in his life before he leaves in June. His dad will be here with us in June. We'll honor that. Spiros, who's in Greece and Albania, will be with us in February after Winter Bible. And I'm going to let him talk to you about what's going on over there. We're going to value that. Reverend Marty Blackwater, if any of y'all remember, he will be here in May. We'll value him, honor him. But man, Sunday night, when Living Faith Crusade comes and all these other pastors that will show up, because they're coming. We've got a great group showing up. Let's honor them. Let's esteem them. Let's prefer them. Let's thank them for their labor. Let's show what honor is. I would love every pastor to leave this place. This is the greatest opportunity for us as a ministry to let every other pastor... Give them a refreshing so when they go back and say, wow, what a group of people that value. But more importantly, man, when you esteem and value the word, you'll pull things out of the gifts that they didn't even know they had. Services will go to a whole nother level because you're drawing on something beyond what they even studied for. I've seen people minister, even done it myself at times, where you're preaching, all of a sudden something just stops you on the inside and you address something totally off topic. That means someone's made a demand on God talking to them. And they weren't receiving it as the word of men, but the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So I have to conclude tonight's message with this. Because after the series we just came out of, how could I not? How could I not? Jesus made this statement when he took, took his disciples and told them to go into the towns. He said, he said, go into these cities, don't take nothing. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you, freely you, freely you, freely you, freely you, freely. So when we come to receive men and women of God, we come and esteem them. And recognize that God's touch is on their life. And we want to receive a word of God through them. 
then we need to have this expectation that as we receive, we can expect that we want to communicate back. Look what it says here. It says in 1 Corinthians 7 or 9, starting in verse 7, it says, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of, flo uh, of the flock? Am I not speaking uh, these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does the law uh, also say these things? For it is written uh, in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox when he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he altogether, or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. Verse 11, if we sowed spiritual, that means if we gave at your receiving spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right. But we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. I believe it's the same letter that Paul ends up saying, listen, I wouldn't even let you give to me at the time, and I, I shouldn't have done that. I should have let you sow it in my life. I've done that because I didn't want my preaching to be in vain where anyone could say, you only said that to get something. But the reality is there's a spiritual law in play that when I sow, there is a receiving back. And you should. I remember being in Nicaragua. I'll never forget it. Pastor Pedro set me up in an Assembly of God church just outside um, uh, downtown where the earthquake years ago had basically you know, broken it down and people kind of came and squatted. And so basically it was like a tent city. And I remember going through the tent city and getting to this basically tent church. And I walked in, it was dirt. The platform, I think, had concrete, but that was about it. We sat in those plastic chairs that are global. The guy who came up with those plastic chairs, is making, it's in every country, man. Those plastic chairs. Wow. It's everywhere. They're every, every nation I've ever been to, there's those plastic chairs, man. And so they're all in there, and we're sitting and they allowed me to preach. Who went, who went on that trip with me? It's probably a couple people. I think, yeah, I think y'all two did. We went in there, man, and I preached. And at the end, that pastor, who probably had 20 people, if that, gave me an offering. And man, I was like, I am not taking this. These people need a floor, man. These people, these people need stuff. That, the last thing. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, if you give back to them what they've given you, all they'll have is what they gave. But if you'll receive from them what they gave you, then I can multiply their seed and they'll get more back. Don't take their reward. So I couldn't live by sight, see? I had to let the spiritual law get into play. Sow and you'll reap. I had to let that spiritual law of economics get into play that if they sowed to me and I received it and took it, now it's mine. You don't have it anymore. God could say, I saw what you did. It's come to your account. Now I can bless you. And I had to walk out with it. Now, I didn't, it, I didn't leave the country with it. I just found a place to sow it myself. Now, I do have Nicaragua money that I take in and out when I go because sometimes I keep it. 
And I'll have it because I'm going back. And I'll take it with me when I go. Amen. But I'm just saying there's principles in play here. Are you with me? So we need to come with an expectation of sowing. Let me just tell you, I have no problem. In fact, it gives me great pleasure that anytime God lays a minister on our heart to bring to this pulpit in order for you to receive and esteem the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul, I have no problem paying for their flights, paying for their hotels, paying for their food, and then blessing them on top. None. Exceeding abundant. No problem. I'm telling you right now, everybody wants to come to Anchor Faith Church. I'm telling you, because we bless people. But Pastor Hagen won't let me do that. Pastor Hagen will not let me get his hotel. He won't. He says, I'll pay for everything, and then I'll just believe whatever comes in is good enough. <laughs> no other minister has ever come to me that way. And all the other ministers that I've ever had come in do not have the ministry responsibility that he does, nor the finances that is necessary to run that kind of ministry like he does. Yet he'll come here at his own expense and just trust God that when time to give, Whatever you choose to do is good enough. I'm just saying, when we show up Sunday night, listen, I want Live in Faith Crusade to come here every other year. They do Florida one year, California the next. I want this to be North Central Florida. I want this the location. I want this the church. I can't make pastor come here because there's other grandma churches and he can go to other churches he has. But if he can't find anyone else to host him, I want him to always know this is his home. But not only because we open the doors, but because when he walks in, we esteem him. That means you, don't, you can talk to him in the lobby, but don't pour out your life story to him. Honor the fact that he's fixing to do something. He's as touchable as anyone else. But understand this. God sent him here for this appointed time to download something into your lives. How could you miss Sunday night? How could you miss Monday morning? How could you miss Monday night? How could you miss Tuesday morning? How could you miss Tuesday night? Now, if you cannot get off because it's too early in the year, fine. I understand. I give you a pass for the Monday and Tuesday. All right? Maybe if you have sick days, just tell them you're calling in sick because you're sick of working, though you're not physically sick. Don't lie. Just say, I'm sick of working today. Well, you're not feeling good? No, I feel fine. If they let it pass, come on. But you should not let. We did Sunday night. We did Monday night. We did Tuesday night. Then pastor's actually going to do service on Wednesday night. Well, if you don't esteem me, stay home. That's fine. Because I'm going to come bring the word that God has for me on Wednesday night because it's an appointed time, is what I'm saying. Because it's not me speaking to you. It's God. I've endeavored to show you in Scripture all these truths, more than one witness. Let me give you one more witness. Let me finish out verse 12. 
If others have the right to share this, share uh, that right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right. Galatians 6.6 6 says this. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. The Amplified Classic Translation, let everything be confirmed out of two or three wisdom. When someone gives us instruction, should we not sow materially back into their lives? The Amplified says it this way, classic edition, let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. My wife and I will come together before Sunday and we will get a Holy Ghost. This is what you plant into Rhema this weekend. This is what you do. And that's what we'll do. And I'll listen that if he changes his mind and want to do something bigger after I've done that. Because I am going to draw and I want pastor to leave and say, man, I've never preached like that before anywhere else. And he'll only be able to equate it to the fact that you are drawing on his gift. Pastor Lynette had the greatest testimony about our church last time she was here during prayer. And she says, listen, I'm being honest. I don't have to say this. But I'm telling you right now, I've been in a lot of churches, a lot of Rhema churches, and I've never been in one that it's this easy to pray. Now that was a testament of Pastor Marcy. Because Pastor Marcy has that vein of prayer. Just like Pastor Angie has, has this like anointing. It just comes with her to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. I have no problem with that. And if I sense we're going to need that, I'll say, Pastor Angie, go. And she just takes off and does it because I know her gift. We're not in competition, and I love it. Go. Just like I know this woman knows how to touch the throne room in prayer. No problem with that. So when I heard her say that, it made my, my worth and value of the gift my wife even more. That someone that I know exercises in prayer was able to realize the atmosphere that she was able to draw out of us and made it easier. I believe this time, same thing. She's going to be like, wow, it's just so easy for us to pray together. And it's special but it's because we value. Amen? Let me close with this statement. How much honor you get in your life is dependent on how much honor you show towards others. I'm not talking lip service honor. I'm talking genuine, you honestly honor them. And when you do, and you esteem, and you value and I'm telling you, you'll receive a reward from that individual. And you need to be able to have an ear to hear that when you get that spiritual understanding of whatever it is you've been asking for, you're willing to give back. I know th people do things different, okay? I know there's been abuses. I understand that. But I have been in services that someone's preached so well that I don't even wait for an offering. I myself have pulled money out of my pocket, went up and threw it down at the platform. Because I said, I, I'm going to give to that teaching right there. I've done it. I've done it myself. I ain't going to say that every person that does that and people come to that. I, 
I do what the Holy Ghost says. I'm just knowing that based upon the word, when I get something, I'll contribute. When I heard about the kingdom, I told my wife, buy everything they have, which I knew would go right back into that ministry. Take everything off the table. I value that word that I just heard, that God spoke to me through that man. Get everything they have. Then I'll take everything they've said and line it up with this right here, and I'll accept everything that's truth. Because I want what Jesus has for me. That's why when I go to our third year Kingdom Institute class and the students are speaking the word, I love it because I value the word coming out. One of my favorite times with ministry coordinators or with my own pastoral staff is say, okay, we've read the Bible this month or this week. What have you gotten out of it? Why do I say this? Because I value God's word so much, I just want to hear it. And I don't care if Sophia gives me a nugget from God, I'll take it, whether she's been on the platform preached or not. She's heard something, I'm like, wow, that's God, I heard that. I value that. Thank you for hearing the Holy Ghost and releasing that to me. Now, I may preach a 10-week series on that one nugget, but I would have never got that series without her being obedient to say that word. Because we value, when we value each other this way, guess what else would begin to flow so much? It's amazing. So this week, Living Faith Crusade, Sunday night, 6.30, as ready as you are. How you come how you accept them. Their worship's different than ours, but doesn't matter, because I can worship. I won't be comparing them to Pastor Marcus, or to Chelsea, or to Tat. I want no compare. They're worshiping God, I'm worshiping God, here we go. That's what I'm gonna do, because I value the praise. I value glorifying God. And when we do this, that's why I value them when they come to set up and I, we ask the ushers, can y'all help set them? Can you help them when they go to load? And we loaded them faster than they've ever loaded before and we bought them pizza before they went because we value them that they're laboring for Christ and they invested in us. But it shouldn't just be for our events. It shouldn't be just for our guest ministers. It should be every time we come through those doors. When you see that greeter, I esteem you. Man, thank you for labor.